Hello, I'm Howard and welcome to the 9320 Friday Show, the show that doesn't know what to laugh at first. Thomas Tuchel's unscheduled rapid disassembly on the Bayern bench on Wednesday evening, Barcelona and Real Madrid tr- trying to out-fascist each other, Manchester United, just Manchester United, or the athletic piece by a pretend City fan that Spurs are the victims of state-run clubs. Their prolific trophy-winning spree coming to a sudden and dramatic halt in 2008. Thoughts and prayers for all those people and clubs at this difficult time. Uh, to talk all this, a return to Wembley and a great night in Munich, and much more besides, I'd like to be joined by Ali and our Munich roving reporter, Lloyd. Good afternoon, chaps. Uh, Ali, I'll start with you. How are you? I am very well indeed. I've had a, a cracking week following the football and, and everything else. And I swear, uh, the National Berting Week comes around earlier every year, doesn't it? It's it been, does, isn't it? Yeah. Been, <laughs> it's just joy. after the clocks go back. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. and I, I will add, before we go any further, uh, for the uh, uh, avid followers of the uh, 9320 uh, random sound effects uh, uh, phenomenon, uh, to go with leaf blowers and and dogs barking and Amazon deliveries and whatever else we normally get. Um, today, uh, I'll say first of all, Eid Mubarak to anyone who is celebrating. Uh, but as I live more or less overlooking the A6 Stockport Road, uh, we're getting periodic bursts of people going up and down the A6, beeping their horns in the loudest <laughs> cacophony they can manage. So if you hear that, that's uh, one more for the file. Yeah. Uh, well, there was a, a leaf blower around. I don't know why <laughs> the leaves are on the bloody trees uh, about 50 <laughs> minutes ago but hopefully it won't be coming back i think it was a leaf blower and and of course the clocks go back in spring don't they <laughs> so quick correction there quick correction uh lloyd how are you good afternoon um i'm very well yeah i got back from munich unscathed alive and still with two knees um yesterday so that helps it does help, yeah. Um, less fortunate than some of the other lads that were out there who I know have had very horrible journeys and some of whom still aren't home. So RIP to those individuals. <laughs> and I didn't even have to do with the UK travel system amazingly. So No, well, sometimes even the Germans uh, have problems slash call strikes. So, yeah, there we go. Maybe our shores aren't always so rosy. So are they spread all over Europe at the moment then, your friends? Uh, yeah, I've seen a couple of them are in Dublin. Uh, I think Archie and Felix, who were going via Prague, um, and maybe now home as of late <laughs> last night. But um, yeah, what we do to to watch our team play away in Europe? Eh? Yeah, it's, it's <laughs> a tough life, isn't it? So <laughs> I'm uh, not complaining. Don't worry. Well, Mike, before we've got a weekly segment uh, which is called Laughing at United, but before we get to that. <laughs> We started off last week, though. We could have started off about a decade ago. Uh, care for what you wish for. They will be back at some point, but we, so you have to take the opportunities. Uh, you might as well tell what was it? What, how was your trip to Munich then? Was it all a uh, very enjoyable experience? It was. It was belting, yeah. Um, so I've n- I've never really had the chance to do many European aways, mainly because work which gets in the way. Um, I went to Porto for the final. Less said about that, the better. Um, but it was great. I mean, Munich is just, you know, it's kind of paradise for a football um, kind of away leg, isn't it? You, mm. A, you get, to go to, yeah. you get to go to the Allianz, which is the best stadium I've ever been to. 
I can comfortably say that. It was just incredible. Better than El Trafford. <laughs> El Trafford or Old Trafford. <laughs> El Trafford. Well, seeing as the amount of Spanish teams that have been knocking them out there recently in European, I think we can call it El Trafford, possibly. <laughs> um, much better than Old Trafford, yeah. Um, I think just the, the likes on the outside of the stadium as you're walking away is just incredibly impressive to be honest um, but the noise was was pretty good obviously the Bayern fans kind of coordinated that big mural before the game it looked very cool um, and they were you know the atmosphere was pretty tricky until Haaland scored was it Uli Honus in a prison outfit as requested <laughs> their big TIFO or was it something about shakes again and Football uh, for the people. Who knows, mate? Who knows? Who knows? Who knows? Um, but no, I went out on Tuesday. Um, had a few bit, met up with a load of the fans. Obviously, landed in an Irish pub. Classic, classic Brits end up when just in going, Rome. Yeah. going somewhere. Uh, but then went to a couple of the beer halls, including Hofbrau House, which I think is where um, the Nazi party was formed back in the back in the late 1920s, early 30s, um, in the centre of Munich. And it's now just a place where people get absolutely smashed. Um, but they do, they do have a little tour around the up, upstairs for those right. with slightly more cultural uh, inclinations. Like um, yeah. and, then, and then, yeah, just made our way down to the ground. Um, it was all good. Yeah, hardly any issues, to be fair. Good stuff. It's the best. I'm happy, I've not... Don't do many away. I've done two in Germany many years ago. Uh, Cologne, Schalke, Gelsenkirchen. Uh, yeah, just great experiences, really, because you don't get hit by a baton just for asking the time, basically, or looking at someone the wrong way. In fact, I think it's... Definitely a problem elsewhere on the continent, isn't it? I'm sure um, policemen's actually showed me to my seat in one of those two stadiums. <laughs> they only asked him which way, and he literally showed me to the seat. So it's just a different level, basically. Beer, obviously. Well, reversed, that what helps. do you want? So does that. Similar yeah. culture. <laughs> Same crappy weather. Yeah. <laughs> like, I tell a home, you, like a home from home at times, is it? I was gonna say that actually the two funny things were A, the weather was terrible. Uh it was it was raining pretty much the whole time. And uh second thing was they decided not to serve beer in the home end, uh, in the away end. So I had to jib it back like the old days when I was at school and pretend to be a Bayern fan and go into the home end, get a beer and then walk back through into the away end. Um, So that was all very weird. It'd be like someone around like 115 in the South Stand just walking through the the Mm. massive barrier and then saying, hello, lads, how are we? Can I just get some beers in this queue? And then just fucking off back to to the the other end. So that was all a bit weird. But... um, I'm still there, so can't have been that bad. Well, they're not even selling the low alcohol stuff. Anyway. They were selling non-alcoholic, uh, yeah, yeah. so it was it wow. was zero point one <laughs> placebo effect. I'm sure when I went, they said, "Oh no, we're only selling the low alcohol stuff." And, oh, and my mate went, "How much?" He said, "Oh, it's four and a half percent." Well, that'll do then. <laughs> I guess we'll have to That's slum it with bad. the four and a half percent beers, yeah. So anyway, we'll get to the match in a bit. And yeah, I'm sure we'll have a lot more to say about uh, Munich and that match. But first, Ali, I say, first of what's hopefully a regular feature. <laughs> <laughs> Did you watch United against Sevilla at all last night? 
I did. I started off with it kind of in the background and yeah, listening, listening to the commentary while I was cooking dinner and stuff. Um, Waiting for then, United to take an Yeah, yeah, I know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and then, uh, I, I wasn't watching, but I was listening when the, uh, the first David De Gea, Harry Maguire incident happened and I went running through and thank the Lord for, um, instant rewind on live TV these days. What did we do before that? Uh, cause I was, I, I started laughing and whenever that was like the fifth minute or whatever. Um, and I was still laughing like an, an hour later when we got <laughs> to well, David De Gea's must- like PF de Resistance. <laughs> and, and it really was like the, um, it, it began with, uh, with Harry, Mag- Harry Maguire, um, making a late, late pitch to, uh, to steal the comedy BAFTA away from Upa Meccano, um, and David De Gea saying, nope, hold my beer. <laughs> they, well, I was, they, I was in the kitchen and I just saw, I didn't know, I thought it was nil nil and, and I, cause I was on an app, so I was delayed anyway. And it's, you just WhatsApped Upa Maguire. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, I got what's happened. I looked at the score one nil. I know, right? So I managed to get the goal on delay, and yeah, I that actually play, came. I blamed De Gea for pretty much that entire match, though. There was honest. a there was a bit of a there was a bit of video doing the rounds from Wednesday night when I come and I it was somewhere in Africa. It, mm. the, the, it, it then got deleted, so I never managed to to trace the uh, the original video. But it was a, a commentary in in an African language, and someone I think without meaning it to be a joke called um, Upa Meccano, uh, Upa Maguire, uh, as, as part of the commentary. And I just thought that was hilarious. And then, of course, Harry stepped up to the, uh, to his, to his new title. Beautifully done. Beautifully mm. done. Maguire's been discussed in Parliament in so, an African country as well. I saw that come up on Twitter <laughs> a couple of months ago. So. <laughs> Can't catch a break, can he? Uh, it is amazing that in a club that still has got Phil Jones on their books, Harry yeah. Maguire has become comedy character number one. Yeah. Well, sad times. <laughs> Lloyd, do you catch any of it? It's, like, it's always fun, isn't it? Because they are, I, I would say, I was a Talk to United fan in the pub. They're, they made themselves very visible when City went ahead on a on Wednesday night because they were celebrating and uh, were trying to claim offside. But, you know, I, I said to him, well, you've got a proper manager now, you'll be okay. So it's always reassuring to see them just do, be shambolic, just like they have been for most of the last decade. Oh, I mean, <clears throat> I didn't I didn't get to watch it live. I was more watching you live <laughs> yeah, watch on it on the WhatsApp because <laughs> um, I was coming back, but... Uh, same as Ali, I, you know, thank God for replays because I was trying to get it on my phone and the BT Sport app's quite good in that you can go back to the goal and, I mean, gift keeps on giving really, you know, I, there's been a lot of, there's been a lot of De Gea goalkeeper of the season chat I've seen over the last few weeks. A lot of people have had him in like their Premier League team of the season, but I think if you speak to any United fan that knows half of, um, you know, half of something about football, they'll say, even though he's made some good saves, his lack of ability with his feet causes more problems than than maybe he ends up saving them from. Um, and my God, did he take the biscuit last night. Mm. I mean, that third one, that is, I, I think, genuinely inexplicable what he's trying to do there. I, I don't, I've tried to watch it again and work out whether he's trying to, it looks like he actually tries to control it by putting his foot on top of the ball as it falls from about 60 yards in the air. It's incredible. No idea what's going on, but um, very happy to see that. And I think going into their big game at the weekend, I don't think we could really hope for 
for anything better. Martial injury as well. Was he injured last night? Yeah, Rashford. Rash, I don't think did Rashford make it on. He was on the pitch yeah, at some point. Yeah. Did he? Yeah, I mean, well, well just, it's just a disaster for them. Well, Martinez is out for the season. I don't think Varane's going to be fit for the weekend. Bruno didn't start because he's played too much. So whew. I think he was, suspe- was suspended actually. So and sadly, Harry Maguire is suspended for Sunday. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So that's a boost. For, one boost. That is a boost. That's a, that's a W <laughs> for United. And Martial, well, yeah. Like uh, night follows day, he's injured. Well, what's new there? It's like- I think to, to really rub it in, though, what makes this quite special at the moment is it got uh, how long ago? It's only about six weeks ago that uh, before United went to Anfield, when they were getting properly giddy, they were talking about a cup treble. They were talking about catching uh, second or even first place in, in the Premier League. They They're talking really about a league treble. They, yeah, yeah. Quadruple. <laughs> the quadruple in Formidables. The, they really thought they'd turned it around. And that was good. It was barely, it was a blink of an eye ago. And oh, that that's what uh, yeah, that's what the uh, ancient Greek myth of Icarus was all about. They, they really did get way too close to the sun too quickly. <laughs> Long may it continue. <laughs> no, absolutely. I obviously Keep have a crashed. small folder, Ali, of past uh, <laughs> media headlines. So it just a small folder. Small. Very, very modest. <laughs> it's, it's merely 9,000 deep. Yeah. And it won't surprise you that we've been here before. So. Yeah, and <laughs> we will be here again. <laughs> we will be here again. Anyway, that's enough. I'll put a laughter track in. That's enough about United. The. Uh, the leaf blower's back, I'm afraid, so I hope you can't hear me. Oh, someone's chopping a tree down. Let's talk City in Munich. Uh, where do we start? <laughs> Lloyd, unchanged side, were you happy mm. that he went with exactly the same, that he won the first leg like, 3-0? Yeah, very happy. Can't really remember the last time that's happened. Feels like a long time ago that we'll have gone... Um, unchanged in a kind of knockout game from one to the other, but happy to happy for someone to point it out on Twitter. But I think it was the right call. Um, this team is playing with not just a kind of level of consistency, but to a, to a really high level as well. Um, and I think particularly at the back, we're looking at by far the most stable we've looked this season. I think it's probably a factor in Edison's recent upturn. And I think it was the right call. So absolutely no complaints from me. Mm. Ali, what about you? Did it still blow your mind that we perhaps reinvented a side that looks this secure with four centre-backs? Uh, yeah, I guess. Although um, I'm, I'm more thinking about how he's just completely reinvented uh, the 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 tactics for, for defending and, and how to organise a team. Um, and using... John Stones the way he is now. Um, it felt it felt so uncomfortable back in about you know September, October, November, uh, when he was messing about trying to fold in these fullbacks to to double as midfielders, um, and it didn't feel right. And it, uh, it, it I wasn't sure it was ever quite going to work. And I was kind of I spent a lot of the season thinking, "Bet mate, what are you doing?" Uh, and Oh my God, how he has proved me wrong. Um, the, the efficiency and the effectiveness of this defensive setup with a, a wide back three and then a, a, a false fullback, uh, alongside Rodri in front of them. It just looks so solid. Um, it looks so well, well worked out and everybody now knows 
their role within it so well. Um, it it does blow my mind, um, and the fact that when you when you look at them lined up, it, it appears to be four giant centre backs uh, all lined up in a, in a big wall. Um, it's not how they play at all, and it doesn't feel like that when when they're on the pitch. Uh, it just feels like you know um, Pep Guardiola has just gone out there and casually reinvented football again. Uh, yeah, and and the, the, I wasn't at all surprised that the same uh, the same lineup began. Uh, in Champions League twice in a row, and I, uh, not notwithstanding Aki, which we'll come back to in a moment, mm. um, I would be very, very happy if, if we see them again in Madrid. Just, Howard, uh, just to build on something that Ali said there, because I think it's worth spending a, a moment on. I think what I didn't expect with this setup, and what I think one of the key reasons why it's turned out to be so successful, is that all four of those guys that started the other night and have been starting regularly they are very happy to go 1v1 against any attacker. And I think what yeah. where, where we used to get done so regularly was Cancelo would step into midfield and get done. Walker would be slightly too um, kind of, well, slightly too anxious and kind of engage too high up the pitch and then have to kind of sprint back. And often he'd be okay because he's so quick. Um, or when we had to play Rico in there, I remember there were a couple of times where didn't really end up resulting in a goal, so didn't get end up getting kind of hyper analysed. But again, Rico wasn't didn't know when to do it, when to kind of hold off. Whereas I think with those four, they're super happy, even to the likes of you know Coman, um, Salah, those kind of elite level wingers. Obviously, we're going to come up against Vinicius, which could be the hardest test of them all. They're happy to go. Come on, then, like let's have it. Let's Let's have a crack at it, um, and I think it's it's made it's made such a big difference having four guys that can genuinely defend and are comfortable defending. And you know, sometimes it's incredibly uncomfortable as fans because you're watching Diaz doing the splits in three different directions on the floor, <laughs> and you're like, "Mate, what? Maybe you shouldn't got into this position." But somehow he always seems to make the block. I, I, I can't think of one where Diaz looks like a dick because someone's shot the other way and he's kind of. Doing the splits it's and it's gone in the other corner. Old style defending, isn't it? And it was a slippy pitch. Mate, it's, <laughs> it Burnley, it, it's Burnley FC. Honestly, if Dyche was here, he'd be loving it. He'd be yeah. absolutely <laughs> loving it. Absolutely. Yeah. I'm going to stick with you, Lloyd, as we talk about the actual match itself because you were in the ground. Mm. Uh, needless to say, on the review, I was totally chilled about that first half hour whilst I'm having kittens. But <laughs> the most valid point was. No surprises yeah, there. Most valid point. Well, you know. We were under pressure, weren't we? It didn't work, but I don't think we were playing particularly well. We weren't keeping the ball. Uh, how did you feel? Did you feel worried? The, the, the most valid point of all of Aitans was, as long as it stayed zero, then there's no need to worry. When If they had scored, then it would have been a different matter. Of course, if Sane had put that chance away, who knows? You know, we would have got really, really nervy then. But how did it feel in the, the way end in that first half or at least the first half an hour? Yeah, pr- I think pretty pretty calm, to be honest. I, it didn't feel like there was an energy of um, nervousness or kind of incoming bottle job coming around. Look, I thought I thought Bayern played really well in the first half, um, and to be honest, even up until the goal, I thought they, I thought they did really well. They just didn't manage to finish us off when they got into like the boxes. Um, well, that's about thought- City as much as them being wasteful, yeah. 
It is. It's it's a it's about them. Look, they obviously lacked a number nine. I think that was quite clear in the game. It reminded me a bit of kind of City of old in the Champions League, where we've had to rely on you know a Gundo or a Sterling or someone like that to to score a goal. Um, but yeah, there's definitely definitely praise for us in that because I do think when it did go into the box more often than not we were well positioned or someone got in the way with it I mean there's the one where there's about five of our lads stood in the way of the goal and it's like you shall not pass Gandalf mm. get your stick out it's a sort of um, disciplined defending I've not seen before but yeah no. to be honest, we've not needed it that much before no we haven't and but this is it they, they didn't score and so the mood never really turned I think when you take a 3-0 lead like that you're you you are quite secure because you know if we score one, it's probably over. And they're gonna even if we score one, they're gonna have to score four to take it to extra time. And you know, the chances of that, I think City teams of old, again, when we're a bit less defensively secure, we've seen us concede four quite often in the in the Champions League. But I just didn't I did not get that impression um midweek. And yeah, they did have some chances and there were a few like slightly hairy moments, Coman's cross across the box. I thought he did a really good job against Ake first half. I think Ake did struggle. Well, he's rapid, isn't he? But that's it. There's no there's no substitute for pace. And, no. you know, if someone's quicker than someone else, then that's, that's just the law of physics. There's, there's not much you can do. So, no, I wasn't that nervous. I was quite quite calm like A-san. And it always felt like we had, the, we had a threat on the break if it came to it. But we definitely didn't play that well first half. But I, th- I think it's hard to play well because it's hard to know how to play the game when you're 3-0 up and Thank how you. to approach it. You segued perfectly for my question for <laughs> Ali. Was that, what Lloyd's just said has just nailed my next question, Ali. Is that, was that part of the problem for half an hour in a way? Bayern Munich knew only ha- there was only one way they could play. They had to go for it. A City with a three-goal lead, it possibly caught between a rock and a hard place. Like I've, I saw some opportunities to put passes through you know, to Haaland or were a bit cautious yeah. at times. The fact that they had a three-goal lead, did it actually prove a bit of a hindrance for their approach to the match for at least the first half hour? Yeah, I don't know if the hindrance is quite the right word, but I, I, we yeah. did look a bit stuck betwixt and between, like not quite sure what to do. I mean, it, it, in almost every respect, the, the first half or the first hour played out almost exactly how I expected it to. I, I thought we would be... Um, you know, backs to the wall facing an absolute barrage from, you know, a, a, a fired up Bayern team in front of a very fired up crowd. Um, and I thought that, um, you know, Diaz and the others would have to be pulling out those blocks here and here, there and everywhere. I also thought what would happen is the, um, the, the, the two, Big incidents we had on the breakaway, the, the red card that wasn't because there was a marginal offside, uh, mm. and then the Holland goal that we, we finally got. Um, I thought that in that exact scenario would happen yeah. more frequently and would happen earlier. Um, you, you, you give me a bit of a telling off in the, uh, in the group chat beforehand because I, I, I put into words what you should never do and actually make any kind of prediction. I thought the most likely scenario was that we would be, we would be defending for our lives and then get a couple of like hit them on the break a couple of times and the whole game would kind of fizzle out in the second half. And it yeah. kind of, that is what happened. Yeah. They just you know what I was doing long. there? 
You, you were you were undoing my curse. You were, you yes, were, you were, correct. Yeah, you I was were being reversing the voodoo. Thank you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I then, appreciate so it. That, it worked a treat. Thank you. Yeah, because I then wanted it to happen, <laughs> so, so that I was making it happen by telling you that. it wouldn't yeah, yeah, happen. Yeah, yeah. You see, our, our, our voodoo dovetailed beautifully. Thank <laughs> yeah. you. Oh, I, I triple. Uh, yeah, we, triple we can claim all yeah. the credit for going through the semi-final. <laughs> yeah. Well, not all the credit, just most of it. Yeah, but no, the the. It was nervy, but it was always going to be a game like that. I mean, mm. the, um, when you're going into the second leg of a Champions League quarterfinal against Bayern fucking Munich, uh, you do not expect to be like casually knocking it about the back and and having a having a I, you know a total breeze for yeah, ninety I, minutes. It I was don't never think Bayern like Munich that. did anything wrong over the two legs either. Not really. No, no, no. We, we, I mean, we, I mean, it felt like over the, over the one hundred and eighty minutes, it felt like two. Heavyweight boxers going toe to toe with yeah. each other, and we found the knockdown punches on on four occasions, and they only found the one. Uh, and it, it really it it was a proper Champions League, uh, you know, meeting Heavy meeting way, of the yeah. giants, uh, yeah. and and we came out on top, and and we thoroughly deserved to. I mean, we the the second game. Yeah, it was a little bit of a non-event in the, you know, in the years to come. Not many of us will remember that tie. We will remember the first leg. Uh, and, um, that, that, that's fine. You know, we, when all is said and done, we got the job done at the Etihad as, as we needed to. And, and hallelujah for that. And when I say they did nothing wrong, obviously they did have one weak link, but <laughs> they did do one or two things wrong. Yeah. <laughs> now you point it out. <laughs> well, in a way, he was forced in that. Yeah. I know that's yeah. it. Yeah. We, we put the pressure on and, the, and the, they cracked. We didn't. Yeah. yeah. Second half of the first leg and some of the pressing. Uh, yeah, they're not the sort of mistakes he'd make in other games. There's a reason why he made them in this game, and it's not just uh, nerves. Lloyd, the other point I was going to make, you know, just a round point, is that, you know, I've been listening to, like, I don't want to listen to the Guardian podcast anymore. Uh, <laughs> I've just given up on a lot of general football podcasts. I listen to, uh, you know, Julian Lawrence and Marcotti, and, and we do it on reviews, like, oh, they had more possession, they had more shots, and they were going on about, you know, maybe Tuchel had a point, and it's like... Does that not, using Real Madrid last season as the absolute classic case study this, all that's kind of irrelevant in this tournament, is it not? Because what City have did this time that they've failed to do in the past, it's not about having more shots. It's not at, It's about getting through and being decisive in the boxes, which we were far more yeah. than Bayern Munich. And Real Madrid are the masters at that. They don't seem to be playing very well a lot of the time. They could be under pressure... And then they win. <laughs> and that's what this tournament's about. It's a cup competition. And City, see, I think Pep and the setup and trying to overanalyze every bit, every chance shot and everything across the two legs, perhaps spectacularly misses the point that City did what they had to do and haven't done in the past to get through one of the most difficult ties imaginable. And they did it with a three-goal margin and with missing the penalty. Absolutely, yeah. It's What does Pep talk about it's- both boxes being better in both boxes mm. um, and I think a bit of nous as well like you know Madrid are the masters of that and in you know in Diaz in Edison in Stones um, maybe not Rodri but definitely De Bruyne you know we're, we're beginning to build quite a lot of Champions League experience within this team and you know even losing in Porto once it's all said and done, it's pros- probably a positive experience in terms of 
being able to learn from it and draw on it and be like, you know, what, what mistakes did we make there? That kind of thing. So, yeah. Um, and th- th- this leg was all about that in a way. It was if we could kind of hold on, hold Bayern kind of at arm's length to keep the kind of boxing analogy going, you know you only need Haaland to get in behind once and him to finish a chance. And look, I thought it had happened in the first half and I've seen the replay back. I was at the other end of the stadium, but well, that looked very close from an offside perspective. Um, I know they use the semi-automated offside, so I think that eliminates some of the doubt yeah, it was quick. That, yeah. that we would usually have. But Christ, um, that's one where I think if you took the point where the ball's hit at slightly the wrong moment, Harlan could have been onside, for example. Um, and maybe we lacked a bit of that first half, but I do think that's because of knowing how to approach and play that game. But obviously, well, I suppose there's the penalty, but once we got in in the second half, I thought that was a supreme finish. And that is part of the difference this season. We've just got that ability now in De Bruyne and Haaland to, to kill you in literally 10 seconds from the point of where Stones hoofs it. And then Haaland puts it in the net. How good did it? How good was it in the away end when that goal went in? Oh, it was amazing. It was, well, it was kind of, it was at our end right in front of us. Uh, I was a bit fearful for my knee at that point because I was quite near, <laughs> quite near the front of the um, the top tier. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think you kind of know, and we kind of knew then that that was the game. So yeah. you can you can celebrate it with, uh, I think, an extra level of um, of vigor, and you also know there's no way it's getting ruled out because he's not offside, he's not fouled up a Meccano. You know, there's there's nothing wrong with it. So. And for him to shush the Bayern fans, wow, absolutely <laughs> loved that celebration. Because to be honest, I was impressed. I was impressed with the noise, and I thought I, I did think they made it a, di- a difficult, really difficult place to go. Um, and you know, the German fans are slightly different to British fans in that they always have that kind of like constantly low to middling noise, where the songs kind of they're more kind of constant than the typical British songs which are quite up and down there's like little gaps in between when you flip from one to the other but to see Ireland pull that out uh, I think that's an iconic celebration one of many this season yeah uh, come on we've got to talk match officials or probably not match officials <laughs> obviously we had Chris on the review uh, which was well timed to say the least. And to be honest, it's not having a go at the match officials. I thought the referee, I agree with Chris, generally had a good game. It's more the laws as they stand, Ali. Are they both penalties for you or neither penalties? Or is that oh. second one one of the most stupid decisions you've seen, even if under the laws of European football, yeah. it is I a penalty? Under under the laws of European football, it probably was a penalty. I think maybe the second penalty wouldn't have been given if the first one hadn't been given prior uh, and that's not to say that they were the same situation because I, I think I just have to talk for a moment about that first penalty because I was amazed that anyone was trying to suggest it shouldn't have been a penalty um, if for no other reason than it happened because Upamecano 
um, put his, put both hands behind his back in the Liam Gallagher pose, and then when the ball was kicked and was coming towards him, he threw his arms out like you know, you know, you know when uh, when Kermit gets excited in the Muppet Show and the little <laughs> black rod comes up and his, his hands go hey, like that's what his arm did. His arm came flying out from his body, and the ball quite obviously hit his elbow and, and yeah, hit it hard enough to to deflect a little bit. Um, and you know, if that's not a penalty, then I don't know what is. If you know, I would have had a lot more sympathy for him if he hadn't begun by putting his hands behind his back and, yeah, and trying to move him out the way, which makes it so obvious that he did actually move his arm towards the ball. Um, so I had, no, I, I was amazed that anyone had any any argument with that at all. Um, whoever you support, uh, now the 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 one against us. Um, I mean, Akanji did kind of go throwing himself forward with his arm in front of him um, and then the ball was kicked really hard from no distance at all he had no chance of getting his hand out the way but I'm not convinced he had to go in with his arm in front of him like that he could have had his arms down by bind him or or you know lower than than it actually was uh, so you know in the context of that game where the previous penalty had already been given and where we know what the you know what the decisions that are being given for handball look like now in the Champions League. I didn't actually have that much of a complaint about other uh, about either of them. Um, you know, had had it, yeah, you know, had, had it been in the first ten minutes um, and gave Bayern a, a, a real you know sense of belief and and you know significantly affected the momentum of the game. Then maybe I would have been a bit more disgruntled about it. Um, but no, I, I wasn't actually that bothered about about either decision being made. Um, I was more I was more annoyed about Haaland wellying it over the bar like like Chris Waddle nineteen ninety. It's, it's, it's been a lot of them recently, as I say. I've said it twice, I know, like, yeah, it's, it's golden it's, era it's the for the for penalties. I say yeah. Lamar was Mister Anfield. It was like a rarity of. Penalties are missed, but totally missing the target was rare at yeah. the time. And now Salah's doing it, Saka's doing it. I, I do wonder if there's a thing that happens that, that footballers are all watching how goalkeepers are, are reacting and, and watching how each other are, mm. yeah, they're kind of second guessing. And so kind of there, there's been a bit of a, a bit of trend for, for penalty takers to hit the ball harder and higher than they were doing previously. Um, but who knows? Maybe it could um, just be a, a completely random statistical cluster because those things happen. Yeah, yeah we probably won't delay, see another one for five years now. The delay that didn't help him, I don't think so. No, that was that was the big factor in the ground. I would say it was a very very long time between the award and Harlan taking it, and there was a lot of pissing around from yeah. their players, goalkeeper, etc. Well. It, I think that definitely contributed to the mess. You've seen his previous ones. He tends to just put it down, walk back, bang. Yeah. yeah. No time for second thoughts or changing your mind. Just go for yeah. it. So. Look, hopefully, I mean, he's got that he, one out of his system now, hopefully. <laughs> we'll, if there's one, if the there's right one he's going to miss, that's, yeah. that's one to miss, isn't and it, really? If there's one we're going to concede, that's the one to concede. Lloyd, are you True. that forgiving? I, I honestly would... If a Champions League this season is decided on that, and you know, it could go our way as much as it could go against us on that penalty for Bayern Munich that mm. ain't football for me so I mean you just can't yeah. even, you can't even run normally in a penalty area now as a defender you have to be well, some sort of I don't know Michael Flatty move <laughs> you know like river dancing your way across <laughs> or something it's, it's nonsense for me it's just nonsense 
I think I think what's difficult is there's clearly a different standard in the Champions League as per the Premier League in terms of what is and isn't a handball. And the bar is lower in the Champions League. But that being said, I think there's some there is something in Ali's point that the first one makes the second one a bit less bad in terms of it's a bit more context of the game. But really, I don't think the second one's a penalty. I think Akanji's too close. He's moving at a decent enough pace. The ball hits him quite, still quite low down. I don't really think he can get his arm out of the way for me. So I think it was very harsh, very harsh. Um, and not, not, not one I'd like to see even given as a penalty for us. I think it's just, it's just not really a penalty, but. I think the first one being given, which I do think was a penalty, made it it made it slightly better in that it's a bit more of a well, this is par for the course in this picture, rather than Anthony Taylor doing the hail mary of, oh okay, I'm now <laughs> just going to give um, a penalty for Edison taking out a player after the ball's been taken, which has just never been given. So I, I do think we'll have to come to terms with the fact that the the handball penalty rule. Uh, is not what it should be and not what we think it is. Um, and basically they're, they've now decided that unless you've made every effort to make it impossible yeah. for the ball to hit your hand, then if it does, it will be a penalty. Um, and, and if that's what the rules are, then defenders have to start playing to that. And it does mean, you know, there, there may be more goals because, mm. because, yeah, because, because defenders do have to, do, do have to like do a Michael Flatley move when, when they're charging in to try and block a shot. 80. Plus percent chance of scoring from a penalty. They're just yep. pinging for that. Yeah. You know, see my think, previous 55 yeah, yeah. rounds on no, the subject. I think somebody on the review show the other day or, or somewhere I heard, uh, suggesting that, that maybe it's time for a, a change in the law so you get more indirect free kicks mm. for situations like that. And I would wholeheartedly support that. I think there's a lot of situations, um, that are either, it's either a penalty or it's a nothing. Um, and there should be an awful lot more indirect free kicks in a game. But, you know, that's one to, to have a debate when we're in the off season or something. Or <laughs> yeah. oh, drop ball on the Goal line. Yeah, <laughs> that would be fun. That's how rugby was probably created. Invented, yeah. Twenty-two players going for it. <laughs> Maybe best man or woman win. Yeah, yeah. It could be the future, but yeah, indirect free kicks kind of disappeared in the penalty area of the not. So, yeah, as Chris would also say, the players know the laws, but you know, you're already you're thinking about everything else. You're thinking about a thousand things when you, you know, when at that time it's just like it's very easy that you forget where your arms are just for one millisecond to get punished for that so but it is what it is if you're gonna concede that penalty if you're gonna miss one this was the match to do it so uh, let's hope we're not talking about it again in the near future uh, one other thing obviously to mention Lloyd the Ake injury we didn't see out the match without mm. any more frights uh, we don't know how bad it is but if it's hamstring and it's this part of the season he's missing crucial matches however minor it is he's not going to be playing this weekend he's not going to be playing against Arsenal as a bare minimum how big a blow is this going to be? It's a it's a big blow I don't think you can box it up in any different way to be honest um, for me he's been our third best player this season I think behind Rodri and, and Haaland and I think he he is crucial to this this kind of three at the back system where we've had Stones in midfield because f- for me as well um, 
he's a better 1v1 defender than Laporte. He's definitely not better on the ball, but I think in that kind of left channel where he's covering essentially like a third of the pitch and he'll be up against whoever the right winger is in that position. So obviously that'll be Saka against Arsenal. I just think I have more confidence in, in Ake's ability to go 1v1 and to make the right decisions in terms of when to back off, when to dive in and also how to bring the ball out because I think he's I think he's really improved this season in terms of not necessarily he does not want someone to provide those kind of like killer thread of the needle passes where you know it breaks the lines and Haaland receives it but I think he's really learned when to kind of push it out to Grealish quickly when just to pop it inside to Rodri when to ping it over to Akanji um, what I would say though is we're very lucky in that we've got someone in Laporte who is going to be able to come off the bench that, you know, there are very, very few, if any teams in the world where they're going to be able to call on someone of that quality with albeit slightly different characteristics, but um, Laporte's still going to be able to bring a lot to the team. Um, You know, imagine if it was fucking Otamendi or someone like that coming off the bench. Uh, I think we all feel very differently. So it's a massive blow. I think we need to know how long he's out for um, because I think if you have to play, you know, Laporte, say in the next six or whatever, then, you know, that that is a problem. And that could literally be three weeks with how the games are at the moment. Um, But I expect it means we are going to see Rico Lewis a bit more than what we have in the last couple of months, just because we're going to have to move things around a little, which will mean moving the defence around, which is obviously not ideal given how we've managed to kind of pin it back in the last few weeks. Yeah. But for the next week, you know, Saliba's out for them. It's, it is what it is in a way. Uh, it happens, doesn't it? It happens yeah, at this time been, of season. It's been keeping a fit squad for weeks and weeks now and it's been a huge plus, but something was always going to give at some point, was it not? So it is what it is. Right. See you through. Third successive semi-final, Ali. Real Madrid. Uh, your thoughts on getting them? It was never, never felt like it was going to be Chelsea, to be honest. <laughs> yeah. Rather face them in a semi-final than a final. Rather be away first. Do these things matter? Uh, definitely rather be away first, yeah. Um, second leg at home is huge. And I'd, one of the only thing really that worried me about the Bayern game was the fact that we were playing the away leg second. Uh, and yeah, okay, I'm, I'm, I, well, I will not be feeling like this when we get to um, May the 8th and 9th, uh, but um, at the moment, I am really quite chill about it all. Uh, I feel like we've got the beating of them. I feel like we've had a beat, the beating of them for a couple of years. Um, we were burned. We were properly mugged by them mm. last year. Uh, we showed over 180 minutes, I think, that we were the better team, um, and we are a better team now than we were a year ago. They are not as good a team now as they were a year ago. And uh bearing in mind that we are going going into a Champions League semi-final and <laughs> I've got a good Howard Hawking impression of it. They are these are the best teams. Oh, um the best teams. <laughs> best football. <laughs> so bring that up. Yeah. yeah. The champions. Um, the uh, yeah, no, we need the music swelling in the background, but we don't mm. have the technology for that, do we? <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, no, I mean, bearing in mind the, the circumstances and where we are, um, 
I, I feel about as good going into these uh, this two-legged tie as we could. Um, and it's kind of, I mean, we can, we shouldn't take any any match and any any competitor at this level for granted in any way. But I think knowing that if we can get past the semi-final, we will be the favourites in the final. Um, we know we have been to finals before, and I think you know two years ago. Uh, getting to that final in, in Porto against Chelsea, it felt for me as a fan, just watching on telly, um, it was, uh, I felt vertiginous, you know, like we, we were, we had, we had gone higher than we'd ever gone before. And I felt quite dizzy. Um, and I, I didn't feel entirely like we belonged there. Um, mm. I feel very differently now. I, I feel as confident going into the semi-final and hopefully touch wood after that, the final of the Champions League in much the same way as I feel going into the, the semi-final and final of an FA Cup. You know, I know that we can beat any team we come up against. I think we are the best team in Europe. We are the best team in the world. And I think we are ready to prove that. Uh, and of course, it's a football match. And come come the day, my guts will be churning and I'll be nervous as hell. And I will be fully aware that absolutely anything can and quite possibly will happen. But for all of that, I am I am about as confident as... Uh, as it could ever be. And yeah, I feel a lot better about facing Real Madrid now than I did last year when we lost to them or the two or three years ago in the semi-final when we beat them over the two legs. Um, mm. We are a better team now and they are not what they were. So bring it on. Lloyd, yeah. A big meeting. The main well event, said. The great sporting <laughs> event. The champions, the great teams. Uh, I think Bayern Munich are better than Real Madrid, but Real Madrid are Real Madrid. So it evens out. And I said before, it's not just about who has more shots and all that sort of thing. It's going to be another Titanic struggle, but how do you feel about the tie-up in the semi-final? I agree. I think Bayern are a better team. But I think the thing that Real have got that Bayern don't, or maybe the two things is, A, they've got that pedigree. But I think B, most importantly in this instance, they've got they've got the stability that Bayern don't at the moment. Ancelotti's been there a couple of years now. That team is consistent. It's you know it's played together for a while. Whereas I think the situation at Bayern with Nagelsmann, with Tuchel, and then with Sane and Mane, you know, none of that helps. None of that helps. But on paper, I think Bayern are a better team. But obviously, Real have different elements where they can beat you and I think no one knows that better than this team they're cockroaches of the tournament aren't they <laughs> they well, it's just that it's that screenshot from the BN Sports um, uh, coverage of last year's last year's semi where it says 89 minutes percentage chance of going through Manchester City 99% Real Madrid 1 <laughs> that's what the supercomputer had worked out at that point so that kind of says it all, doesn't it? But yeah, I'm nervous, but I I think Ali spoke really well there and I echo pretty much all of that. You know, we, I think we've arrived now in a way that we haven't before. I think that partly is to do with what we've got going on at the back at the moment, but I think also Haaland just makes such a big difference. I think we've now hit a bit of a strap about how to use Haaland, where a few months ago, I don't think we were in the same position. I think we're finding him a bit earlier and I think we're getting Kev closer to him and I think that the goal actually is a really good example of that the ball goes up 
De Bruyne is quite close to Haaland for the knockdown. And then, you know, when there's a two-on-two with those two, I mean, it's alarm bells everywhere for the other team. But the the only thing I would add that Ali didn't, because like I say, I think he kind of nailed it, is you've got to put yourself in Madrid's shoes. Do they want to play us? No chance. They do not want to play us over two legs, particularly with the second leg being at the Etihad. I think I do think that helps, particularly after what happened last year. I think if we had to play the second leg at their place again after what happened last year, I'd be my nerves would be all over the place. I think being able to get that game out of the way first and take them back to the Etihad, look, there's still a chance they do some Madrid juju, but I, I would back us. I would back us and our fans to hopefully get us over the line, so, even if we were a couple of goals down and with like twenty to go. So before that, that first leg, they've got a cup final on the Saturday night. We've got Leeds two o'clock on a Sunday. I'm beginning to fret now. That has to be moved, surely. I think it would have been moved already. I think it's true though. Sorry. I think I think if they were gonna move it, they would have moved it like they had the Chelsea game already, which has now moved to the Sunday. To move it. I don't think they will. They they've already moved it for TV for it to be a two PM game on That's Sunday. Better. Oh, I don't know. I don't think it's going to get moved. I can't see how it's even allowed that we play Sunday, Tuesday. I think it would have already happened. Hmm. Great. Well, that ruins everything. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. I mean, I just... How do you approach those two games you playing Sunday, Tuesday? Well, I mean, it kind of builds in a bit to how I think we might need to approach Sheffield. If we have to play Leeds on Sunday and then play Madrid, I think you'd basically have to rotate most of the team in the Leeds game. don't think you have another option. Right. I'll keep my fingers crossed that surely that has to move that game, and we'll move on. Uh, <laughs> and let's look forward. Right, that's the end of part one. In that convoluted uh, intro, I didn't even get to mention that I did speak to a Sheffield United fan over in LA, American Sheffield United fan, you stay Noah, uh, about... Sheffield United's great season, uh, of course, Doyle, McAtee, Wembley, a lot more besides. So this is what he had to say. Uh, I'm delighted to be joined by Noah from the Red Half of Sheffield podcast. Uh, good evening, or is it good morning, Noah? How are you? It's still morning here. Yeah, it's uh, 11.03 am right now um and i'm doing pretty well i took today off of work unfortunately my partner uh had to have surgery so i dropped her off at the uh, or and came back home to do this but yeah otherwise great day yeah i really appreciate you taking the time out especially with the eight hour (laughs) time gap between the two of us uh yeah thank you very much uh i appreciate no problem I guess the obvious starting question there, uh, we were talking about before, uh, some people may pick up an accent. Uh, you're in Los Angeles, is that right? Yeah, that's correct. LA, just outside, actually, technically. Right. You, haven't, you, haven't watched, uh, you haven't watched TV program Barry with Bill Hader in I have not, but no, um, <laughs> no, I'm not. The, I know that there's probably a lot of references to Los Angeles in it, because let's yeah, face so it, half... Half of TV is filmed in in this area, so I just started watching it today. I really recommend it; it's brilliant. But yeah, set in LA as well, so it's yeah. I'm surprised how good it is. But yeah, the obvious question, I guess, is uh, 
American Sheffield United fan. What's your story with Sheffield United? So, um, yeah, I, I, I tell this story so often, I, I've got it, like, down path, memorized. But, I apologize, um, Ed, for asking. No, no, no. No, it's fine. I enjoy telling it. Yeah. So, uh, I was working at a summer camp uh, in Massachusetts in 2008, and my co-counselor was a lad from Sheffield, and at the time, I did not watch any football at all. I mean, I we used to have season tickets to the Galaxy in like the late 90s and early 2000s, but I had become a kind of a lapsed football fan. I'd watch the World Cup, of course, but um, my co-counselor, like I said, lad from Sheffield, uh, and, you know, he was just talking about the Blades all the time, because if you know anything about Sheffield United fans, we spend a good amount of time thinking about the club, I'm sure as all football football fans do, but mm. apparently according to a survey, there are no rap, no fans are more ravenous apparently than Sheffield United. <laughs> we think about our club on average once every eight seconds, apparently that's, that's what uh, this survey said. So uh, he showed me a video of the greasy chip buddy song, Sheffield United's anthem being sung on a rudimentary version of YouTube. And I was just, kind of so enamored with it and he he said to me look they'll break your heart but the highest uh, the, the highs are the highest highs that you will feel watching any sport and that has rung true to this day and from that moment on i became a sheffield united supporter um and it's been it's been difficult following I'll be, i'm not gonna lie to you you know we the championship and league one when we were in league one obviously were not shown in the united states there was no i follow to speak mm. of uh, i would pull up periscopes when periscope was a thing before it was bought out by twitter uh in order to watch games um and so i kind of just casually followed from abroad and then you know i i really really got back into everything after the 100 point season in league one and you know the 2018 2019 season when we went up i was able to watch games because we had a streaming service um from that point and obviously in the premier league every match is shown in the united states on either free or very low cost television. So, um, you know, if, and I, I say if, but look, we're pretty much up at this point. Uh, I say, if come we go on, up next you can year, say it. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. Uh, when we go up next season, uh, I will be paying a lot less money to be watching Sheffield United on a week yeah. by week basis. Uh, so it's, I mean, the, the ridiculous thing It's probably easy. It's easier in the UK. Or England to watch Championship football than Premier League football because they yeah. do have it on the red, the interactive, you know, red button here, uh, and it's right. easier to watch Premier League football in any other country apart from the actual country it's being staged in. But yeah, it's about to get a lot easier to watch Sheffield United next season. Uh, just for listeners who don't know, you're seven ahead of Luton who drew last night, helped by an Andy yep. Carroll red card. No surprise there. Uh, you're seven ahead of them. Four games left. Game in hand, they've only got three games left. You're, yep. you're one and, win. You're one win. And Bora play uh, Middlesbrough. I'm sorry, Bora play uh, Luton on Monday. So if that's a draw, I mean, it's just down to the maths, isn't mm. it? From from that point, we need one point, basically. So, yeah, it's been, of course, a brilliant season. Uh, I'd, I'm loath to venture to a Sheffield United fan playoffs because you're... History of playoffs is horrific, apparently, <laughs> and that's how it ended last season. So, what's what's been different this season that's uh, that's seen you? Let's be honest, clearly be one of the best two teams in the division. 
Well, I mean, look, Illumin and Jaye has really, really come into his own this year. He was a little bit overshadowed by Morgan Gibbs White, who we affectionately called the law firm on our podcast because his name sounds like a law firm. Uh, <laughs> and uh, so Illumin and Jaye, this has been a breakout year for him. He's yeah. been fantastic. He's scoring the goals. He's setting up the goals. And he we run our offense through him, really, realistically. Uh and we and I said at the beginning of the season on our preview podcast, if we were able to replace the production of Morgan Gibbs White, we would be in a very good spot to go up. And uh, sure enough, we got two Man City boys in on loan: James McAtee, Tommy Doyle. They have been phenomenal for us. I mean, I'd have them back in an instant next season. I if we could get. Doyle on a, on a transfer and then McAtee back on loan. I mean, I'd like our chances of staying up if we added a few extra pieces. So, um, yeah, your, your lads have been incredible. I enjoyed watching them. Uh, I saw live Tommy Doyle score that I think 89th minute winner against Blackburn Rovers in the, uh, I'm sorry, in the FA Cup quarterfinal. Yeah. Like sat on cop. And I mean, that was just amazing incredible scenes um so and i also want to mention anel ahmed hadzic he is our right center back he's been really really good also he can contribute a goal and uh he likes a good he likes a good tackle so love anel ahmed hadzic he's about to be a new father so i there's a chance he might not play on saturday if his wife does give birth Mm. that morning but with that being said I don't know. He played. He played uh, the other day. So we'll we'll see what happens. Yeah. Well, let's talk. Tommy Doyle, James McAtee. You've probably seen more of them than I have. Uh, certainly in the last year. Though I did watch that quarterfinal against Blackburn as well. Yeah. Not a bad goal, was it? Uh, just what no. do they? What have they both brought skill set wise to the team uh, this season? So James McAtee can go on these runs where he just gets past three or four defenders. Uh, and then is just able to find the net. Like he just has an eye for goal and you can't teach that. That is just natural skill. And he scored the winner on Tuesday against Bristol City. Right. Exactly. It was a a brilliant feed from Illumin and Jaye on to his left. And then just McAtee calmly, coolly slots it into the back of the net. So yeah, I mean, McAtee uh, also has a good eye for a pass in the midfield as well. He can get out of trouble, Uh, just kind of a, you know, um, what's the best word to describe it? Um, he's like a Swiss army knife in the midfield. You know, he can do it all really. Mm. He has, you know, the total skill set. Tommy Doyle can pick out a pass. He can ping it left or right. And it's right on the chest or right on the foot. So, um, that's, you know, we only had Ollie Norwood who could do that before, but it seems like Norwood's really took taken Doyle under his wing. And now Norwood doesn't crack the starting 11 for us. And really he was a stalwart for us for years and years and years. And now Doyle's it's Doyle's shirt to lose at this point. So, um, yeah, like I said, I'd take both of them back in an instant. I don't think, and you know, this is my judgment based on the city, the amount of city that I've watched this year. I don't think either of them is going to even crack the bench probably mm. for another two or three years. McAtee will need time in the Premier League Doyle as well. So uh, why not give give both of them back to us? <laughs> it's it's hard to call. I think your best chance, yeah, because of competition is Tommy Doyle, you probably got the best chance of getting the transfer fee. 
I right. think City will be. I mean, obviously, we've got a huge summer ahead, City, like, and I think Kai Gundogan's leaving, Bernardo Silva might leave. We might want to buy Jude Bellingham, who cost an absolute fortune. We've been looking yeah. for sales, and youth players is a real cash cow. Uh, but I've seen quite a few City fans that want McAtee back. I'm not convinced myself either about, you know, kind of our El Cole Palmer situation, how much game time he would get. So maybe uh, a loan, another loan could be beneficial next year, but we will see. Do, yeah, do, is there a feeling, have they both embraced the club as well? Is there a feeling that you could hold on to them should you go up? Yeah, I think both of them really enjoy playing for for United. Um, they like their teammates a lot. Yeah. Uh, Tommy Doyle in particular loves the fans. He absolutely loves it here. I know that you know both Doyle and McAtee do want to be playing for City at some point, but maybe what I could see is kind of what we did with Rian Brewster. Is you know it's uh, a, a, the sale of the player Tommy Doyle. But with that buyback clause, yeah. you know, in, within five years or however long the term is uh, for for the transfer, you'll have the opportunity to buy him back. And I kind of like that because, look, if we go down, which is not out of the realm of possibility next season, um, then, you know, you, you would be able to buy him down, buy him back probably on, on the cheap. And uh, McAtee, yeah, it's it would have to be a loan. I do not see City wanting to let him go for any transfer fee at this point. I think he's just too valuable and there's a real player in there. He scored eight goals in ostensibly his first season of playing, you know, senior football really. Cause he, he was only playing premier league two last mm. year. And what did he have? 27 goal contributions or goals. I can't, I can't even remember, but um, yeah, he just needs more time. That's that's my humble opinion, and I think I like I said next year if City were to hold on to him, I just don't see him making even making the bench at this point in in your squad. Well, City did change policy. Did this? You see it at Southampton last summer. They uh, they sold a lot of youth players uh, with buyback clauses because it kind of works for both teams. Then they, they, the team that's buying them shows the commitment to that player. They're more likely to get first team games than they are if they're just loaned out. And if they do develop, City do have the options by them. Lavia at Southampton is one of them that we sell to him. He's doing absolutely brilliant for them, but they'll probably go down. You know, he's but we do have a buyback option, though it's not till next summer. So I think it's a system that can work. It's beneficial to both clubs. Uh if absolutely. you sell Competitive price, but with buybacks, should they, you know, should the selling club want them back in the future? So I guess we will see in the summer. Uh, of course, they can't play on Saturday. Uh, yeah. I assume, does that feel terribly unfair to you, uh, Sheffield United fans, and for the players themselves? Well, it's. I mean, it's let's, sorry, let's just remember, I mean, rules are rules, but Jao Cancelo on loan to Bayern Munich, played against Manchester City last night. Uh, but different rules in a different competition. These lone players can't. So, yeah, what can you do? It, it will be a loss for us, for sure. Mm. I mean, we're not going to have a lack of creativity in the midfield, for sure. We'll probably start Norwood and either Fleck or Koulibaly kind of as our holding midfielders. Sander Bedgay will push a little bit further up, likely, but um, yeah, I mean, it's it's obviously a massive loss. I just hmm. I can't overstate how much of a loss it is to not have them. Because look, I mean, look, McAtee is 
been in the goals and the goal contributions in his last five, he's had either a goal or a goal contribution. So, you know, you're wondering, you're looking at this game and obviously I expect us to get absolutely stuffed by you lot, but um, where, where is, we want one goal. I would love one goal at Wembley. Uh, that would be amazing. But you kind of look at the lineup and you're like, well, where is that going to come from? Is Illuminan and Jaya going to be able to do what he did against Tottenham Hotspur, have one moment of brilliance and, and nick a goal for us? Uh, to be honest, your defense is much better than Tottenham Hotspur's, and I don't really see it coming from anywhere i mean maybe we're, we're just gonna play hoof and pray that that's i don't see us playing out from the back like we normally do mm. in the championship but yeah at, at this point i i i'm just wondering how we're gonna possibly score a goal against arguably the greatest team in the world <laughs> well i'll come to that in a moment i've got a, a theory that might help uh, raise your optimism uh, but just one quick question before we look at that match uh it's been brilliant on the pitch, but a bit less stable off the pitch. Is it fair to say, Sheffield <laughs> United? Uh, breaking, Ollie McBurney. <laughs> breaking news today. Uh, we recorded this on Thursday, by the way. Is uh, your transfer embargo has been lifted on Thursday afternoon? Uh, you've got someone trying to take over. What, what's going on off the pitch? It's been quite turbulent, has it not? It's fair to say, ownership-wise, over the last few years at Sheffield United. Well, well, you say shambles off the pitch, and I just my mind went to Ollie McBurney. But um, I'll talk about <laughs> uh, the embargo and, and and the transfer here briefly. So, yeah, uh, I'm great news today. I, that can only bolster the boys come Saturday that we are no longer under embargo. Um, I believe Dozy Mbusi, who is looking more and more likely to take over at this point. Apparently he's a billionaire, but we've not seen anything that proves that point uh, so far. Um, there's a lot of, you know, and blades are all over the place on this. Some, there are some who are like really excited about the takeover because we called our current owner, the Poundland Prince, um, mm. because he just, we feel like he didn't invest enough money. To be honest with you, I think he's done a good job from you know, preventing us from going into administration. Uh, we're still in financial trouble. Obviously, we paid far too much for players who have not produced and have been injured. Brian Brewster, we paid, what was it, £24 million pound for? And uh, yeah, he's been injured the majority of his time at Chef United. He's almost already happy. Well, he's more than halfway out of contract now. Um, and, you know, we paid a lot of money for McBurney, we paid a lot of money for Callum Robinson, who's now back in the championship. I think we paid seven million pounds. I cannot believe we spunked seven million pound on on Callum Robinson. Um, yeah, and we just made some poor decisions. Ultimately, I think that led to us going down that after that brilliant, absolutely brilliant first season in the Premier League in 2019-2020. But yeah, I think we're a lot more optimistic now, you know, if slash when we get promoted, that is going to really give us the money that we need to kind of address some of the concerns that our supporters and indeed the EFL had with our financial stability. So that's kind of where we're at right now. Hmm. Okay, so this match. Uh, do you remember the last time you were at Wembley then? Because so. uh, I did want but- to look up your horrific playoff record so i don't know if you've gone out in the semi-finals a lot of times or you've made it to wembley at all our last time in the fa cup uh was against hull city in 2014 i believe that goal fest was it not y- yeah yeah we actually scored at wembley i think to that point we maybe hadn't scored it since it was the old wembley i i can't even remember to be honest with you but um and i think we played a 
final at Wembley trying to get promotion from league one. And then we ended up losing that. So but still, it's we, a huge, we, yeah, it's going to be a huge never day, obviously for Sheffield United, the clubs. Yeah. We're just going to enjoy it. I mean, that that's all you can do. You know, obviously we are very, very likely to not win the semifinal match. So you just kind of have to go out and enjoy the day. I wish I could be there. I looked at flights to try to make it out. Because, you know, you never know when your next trip to Wembley is going to be. Mm. Um, and uh, unfortunately, it was a little too much for me at this point to fly from L.A. to London. Uh, I think tickets were like 1500 U.S., which wow. is just kind of a little bit out of my price range at this point. <laughs> but who knows? Maybe we'll go on another run next year in the Carabao Cup or in uh, the FA Cup and maybe make a semifinal again. Who knows? Mm. Why? Well, the, the reason I say optimism uh, that for City, the the game falls in between Bayern Munich and Arsenal next Wednesday, which is close yeah. to a title decider. Not quite. There's obviously going to be huge rotation from City, so that should be give you some optimism. I, I can expect some big players not to be starting that match, uh, and we don't have the biggest squad. It might be a very good, very, very, very good squad. Uh, and obviously there's players that can come in that are still, you know, seasoned internationals and winners. But, you know, uh, Calvin Phillips had a terrible season. He'll probably have to start because after S. Rodri, wouldn't be surprised Kevin De Bruyne, Bernardo Silva, Erling Haaland. Don't expect them all to start or any of them to start, to be honest. So... I don't, obviously, City will still be huge favourites, but you won't be getting the same starting lineup at the start of the game Bayern Munich on, uh, during the week. I can assure you of that. So, as for Sheffield United, we've already said, look, you up, aren't you? Oh, yeah. The fat lady is clearing her throat as we speak. To, uh, <laughs> it's a pretty much a done deal. There's no reason really for Paul Hackingbottom not to pick full strength sides, is it fair to say? Yes, yes. I, from our players that are available, obviously. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Uh, the, the one kind of wild card, I would say, would be Ismalia Koulibaly, who has not played in the league for us very much, but did start against Tottenham, looked halfway decent, and, you know, is a little bit more creative, I think, in the midfield than John Fleck might be. But mm. with that being said, I do think Fleck will start and uh, Koulibaly will be relegated to the bench. But looking at our side, Wes Fodderingham and goal, I mean, he ha the last two seasons, I think he's either top or joint second for most clean sheets in the championship. He's been phenomenal for us and really out of sort of nowhere, you know, I mean, we had Aaron Ramsdale before him uh, for a little bit before his transfer to Arsenal. We all know how he's done over at Arsenal um, and Wes really stepped in and stepped up and he's been great for us uh, right wing back. We'll start Georgie Balduck. Furious George, as we like to call him, he's really coming into form. I mean, he, we call him Furious George because he's always got just the scowl on his face. Uh, Greek international. Um, really, really good for us. And like I said, his form the last few games, he, he were player of the match for me against Bristol City. So, uh, yeah, he'll start at right, right wing back. And then we'll have Anel Ahmed Hadzic, hopefully, if he's not, you know, celebrating the birth of his child. Uh, he'll be our right center back, John Egan at center, center back. And then at left center back, we'll probably have 
Jackie long throw, Jack Robinson. He's got a good long throw in him. So um, if we can get a throw in down the left wing from an attacking perspective, uh, do look for him to just absolutely just toss it into the box. And hopefully one of our strikers can get ahead on it. Uh, left wing back will likely be Max Lowe. His form's not been great. I'm not going to lie to you. It's just he's probably been our worst player uh, for the last few games. And I don't really have much to say about him. He, he can put in a good cross uh, on his day, but I think he's a liability for us defensively. Mm-hmm. And I do expect you lot to attack down the right, the right wing. Um, so we'll see what happens. Midfield, as I kind of already previously mentioned, John Fleck likely to start, former Scotland international. But he's a little bit past it, just my humble opinion. Even when we were still in the Prem, he looked a little bit past it. Ollie Norwood, the other holding midfielder, can ping a ball anywhere. Uh, I I love that man. This has been the first part of the season. He was our best player. Constantly in the EFL team of the week, just a great, great midfielder, likes a tackle as well, can put in a really, really good tackle uh, defensively. Sander Badgay will probably be playing a little, we're not going to play a, I don't think we'll play a flat midfield. I think Sander Badgay will push a little bit more forward. And then Illiman Njaye, who I already mentioned, uh, he will start up top with either, and this is not a done deal yet, Ollie McBurney, who has been in the goals for us this season, but his form has dropped off a little bit, or Daniel Jebison, who might start because I think we're going to need pace because our only chance really, as I see it in this match, is going to be to try to hit you on the counterattack. Yeah. As a lot of opposition fans say, uh, when we do these things, it's like the fear of the counterattack and the transition, so... Right. Pace is always a big weapon, is it not? So, uh, what's been your normal? I'll just uh, wrap up in a, a minute. Uh, what's been your normal formation? Do you think he'll stick to that, or do you think he will? You know, think Heckebottom might try and change things around because it's City. It it'll be a three a modified three five two. Right. I mean, that's what we've played since Wilder were in charge, our, our former manager, and yeah, I I think it'll probably look more like a three four. One, two, um, just with Berge pushing like a little bit more forward. But mm. that's what's got us to this point. We're going to stick with it. There's no reason to do a formation change at, at this point in the game. And it's a free hit, is it not? Sailing towards the Premier League. Big day out, Wembley. City, yep. terrible record in the semi finals, rotating. Hey, who knows? As always, I end with a score prediction uh, for the match. You're going to be you know, optimistic you- and. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to give you my head and my heart. So yeah. my head says five or six nil. Cool. And my heart says three, one to Man City Okay, that we do get a goal. I'm not going so. for five or six nil. Uh, <laughs> I think, yeah, City have really messed up at this stage in the past. Uh, obviously, yeah, you know, be playing like to Chelsea and Arsenal or you know, teams like that because of the way it's timed in the season. Yeah. Uh, focus of the players I think if they do go two goals up they won't be looking to get three four five or six anyway you know City like to game manage anyway Pep likes to game manage so I wouldn't be surprised if it was something like a three one at most so I don't think it's going to be some route uh, but we will see 
Uh, I just don't want to be embarrassed. That's that's really the what what we're looking out for is just not to be embarrassed at Wembley. I doubt that very much. D- just fight, very last question then before I let you go. Uh, taking up enough of your time, uh, but we always oh, we always go over the time limit when uh, I talk to op- opposition fans because it's always interesting. Obviously, you stayed up last time and then when got the second season syndrome. Am I right? If I remember, serves me correct. Yep. Do you feel confident that you know we go up this time, you'll be able to stay up again? It's all predicated on the transfer window, mm. isn't it? I mean, are you a new owner, get, perhaps? Yeah, yeah. I mean, if we can splash some cash with the new owner, and you know, obviously, we'll be more doing what a lot of clubs do and mortgage our TV money at the beginning of the season in order to purchase players. So, uh, if we can get a proven striker in the prem, round out the midfield, and uh, we need both a left wing back and a left back, I could see us staying up. That being said, if we, you know, are in dire financial straits, even going up and keep ostensibly the same team, we don't get your lads back on uh, per- either a permanent transfer or or loan. Um, yeah, I could easily see us yeah. finishing rock bottom, propping up the table twentieth, just oh. like we did twenty one, twenty two. So, I mean, I, I'm here's the thing: I'm a pragmatist. I'm a, I'm a realist, yeah. and that's realistically my expectation, but. Um, you know, here's the thing about the blades. They'll prove you wrong every single time. Mm. Football does that for you. And if you do hear of a left back on the market, do let us know. Cause <laughs> you've been looking for one for about five years now. So, and I haven't, still haven't found one. Uh, no, thank you very much for coming on. Really appreciate you taking the time out to speak to us. Cheers. And as always, after this weekend, all the best uh, with the rest of the season. And I yeah, look forward to speaking to you in the Premier League. Same. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah. Thanks again. Uh, right, we go back to the panel now to preview the big match at Wembley. Okay, thanks again, Noah, for speaking to us yesterday. Uh, very interesting stuff. And it's back to Wembley, part three. Let's preview the semi-final against Sheffield United. There's only one obvious starting point, really. Ali, I'll start with you. How does we just talked about Leeds? How do you? Uh, it's got me worried about the Leeds match now. Weeks and weeks and weeks. <laughs> yeah, no, me too. But let's deal with this game first. The obvious <laughs> starting point, and this is a semi-finals we've messed up in the past, yep. of course. Rotation. They were against the likes, you know, of Chelsea. Maybe this is a different proposition against a team who can't play two of their star players because yeah. we own them. The obvious starting point is how does Pep approach a match that's been troublesome in the past? Who needs resting? Who don't you want to see in the pitch? Just how many risks can you take against one of the championship's best sides who are almost up? So we'll be able to focus on this match fully. Okay. Well, I'm first. Just, just seven questions. I know. Yeah, no, pick that part. <laughs> now, uh, if you could deal with them in alphabetical order. <laughs> Yeah, okay. Uh, I'll, I'll begin in chronological order in, in <laughs> April 2022, because uh, I remember Wembley, um, that really quite disappointing, to put it politely, um, mm. performance against Liverpool this time last year. I actually had I had to Google to, to double check my own memory that it was only a year ago, because it feels such a long time ago now. Um, but uh, I remember disagreeing with some of the, the guys in this podcast, and particularly Steve Tudor, maybe, um, who was... Hi, Steve. I think he was arguing that we had basically thrown that uh, that tie, that, that, um, cup match. Um, and he said, you know, if we're going to, if we're going to throw 
a, an FA Cup match the way we did, then we should throw it in the third round and not get all the way to the semi-final and, and then play a, a B team there. Um, and I disagreed with him then and I still disagree with him now because I think if, uh, if you seriously nurture dreams of being the kind of club that will win trebles or quadruples, then you have to be the kind of club that is brave enough to play the full depth of your squad, uh, across all those matches. Um, and if that means making eight changes or whatever for a semi-final against Liverpool, last year uh, or against Sheffield United this year, then you have to do it because that is the only way that you win trebles. That's the only way you win quadruples. Um, if you play your first choice, yeah, 11, uh, every three days through April, May this year into June, um, then they're going to break down and, and you will lose games and you can quite easily end up winning nothing. Uh, so, uh, that was my position last year. It's still my position this year. Um, I'm absolutely fine with Pep making a lot of changes, uh, on sun- uh, Saturday. Saturday is Saturday, isn't it? <laughs> and, it is. uh, uh, I expect. I mean, I, I could, I could, we'll come to team selections. Uh, in terms of who I want to play and who I don't, um, I think there's one absolutely monumentally big decision there. Uh, and that's about Rodri, uh, and directly whether we start, whether Calvin Phillips can be trusted to start. Um, everything else you can kind of, there's, options well if we did they said yeah, maybe do uh, we'll come come to our uh humming and hawing over the team selection and the details um but i think that that one decision of whether or not to risk playing rodri again uh you know this weekend is is the crucial one for me i say yes i think we we play him for 45 minutes and try and win the game um and get him off as soon as we possibly can uh but that that's a huge call. Beyond that, um, I expect there to be I expect there to be a lot of changes. We've got such a, a small and tight squad. Um, I don't I don't expect any kids to come in. I don't probably don't expect to see Cole Palmer. Um, so what you're talking there is about another six players that we've got available to bring in, and probably four or five from the weekend who will continue to play. So we're talking about half a team. Now, which half we leave there and which half we we bring out is another question we can come on to in a minute. Um, but I am but I do think there will be a lot of changes. And I think with, with all due respect to, to um, the Blades, uh, they, they cannot be as good a team having taken out Doyle and McAtee. Uh, and I'll say again, I, I think that's shameful. Um, you know, the, I, I don't like the rules around lending players, um, at the best of times, but I think that the, to not be allowed to play those two players in, in what, you know, who knows how their careers will turn out. You know, this could be the biggest match of their careers. Hopefully it won't be, but potentially it could be. And I think it was, it was absolutely shocking that the rules don't allow them to play or that there's no flexibility that we couldn't even give them permission. Cause I think as, you know, from a, a city point of view, that there would be a lot to be said for seeing them, you know, going toe to toe with, with, uh, the best that we can offer. Uh, so anyway, get that out of the way. Um, we know they're not playing. That can't be helped. Um, I, the, the, it's not the same challenge, uh, with all due respect, playing Sheffield United this year as it was playing Liverpool last year. Um, so I think we will make a lot of changes and I still think we will go through relatively comfortably. Lloyd, do you think we can just make wholesale changes and get through comfortably? 
And I'll just go and give you two questions. So, <laughs> Not the usual seven. Not seven. Well, you can have the same seven if you want, but I'll guarantee you can't remember what they were. You you named, I think, the Roger one's the easiest decision to make. He doesn't start because, yes, we've already decided Kevin Phillips is not trusted by Pep, but it is a championship side in our third priority trophy who are missing two of their best players. Uh, now, we'll also mentioned their centre-half, uh, star centre-half. His wife's expecting a baby due at any point. So who knows if he's whisked off and won't be available. Might be available, might be not. Uh, if you're going to play Calvin Phillips, you play it now. But I guess my second question was, Are there? do you have in your head certain players you do not want to see on that pitch on any circumstance starting that match with the Arsenal match on the horizon? Sergio Gomez, but for different reasons. <laughs> that I don't think that was the point of my question. <laughs> no, I'm being facetious. I So, I, I was interested to listen to you, Chris, and Asan kind of have this debate. And you both kind of shot Asan down quite hard on how heavily we should rotate or not. And yeah, he was asking for it. So. I agree. I, <laughs> I see agree if he's with, listening to this now and he caught that. So. I agree with Ali. I think I'm, I'm literally reading Pep's quotes right now about the press conference he's done before Sheffield United. And he's making a point of saying how knackered the team are and how mm. they didn't celebrate after Bayern because they were bollocks. And to be honest, I think in the second half, you saw a bit of that. I think Rodri looked pretty spent. Um, I think Ake got the run around first half against Coman. And I don't think he did badly, but he got the absolute run around. I think that would have taken a lot out of the likes of Gundo, you know, at his age, kind of having to play a game that intense. So I think you have to make, I think eight's too many, mm. but I think you have to make five or six changes, genuinely. And I'm looking at the bench from midweek. I think, I think these guys are, will have to come in. So I think you have to play. Mares, potentially yeah. potentially Rico Lewis, yeah. Walker, yeah. Alvarez, yeah. Laporte, and is then he, is he now protected species? No, I think he has to play because because of Ake. I mean, you need to get no. You have to get Laporte needs to play against yeah. Liverpool uh, against chances. Arsenal. Sorry, so okay. I think you've got to get him. I think you've got to get him up to speed. Whilst he's played a little bit, I think actually here it's more helpful for Laporte to play to play and then to play again. So I think he has to play. And then I think potentially one of Phillips, Palmer or Foden as well to be that sixth person. I mean, the Phillips question is obviously the biggest question. If Phillips can't start this game, he's done. Hmm. Like he has if if he's of any use to us, he has to start this game. Rodri's played far too much football. Third most minutes in the Prem this season of an outfield player. Definitely starting to look a bit tired. And like Ali said, massive distinction on these other FA Cup semis. We're not playing a top four Premier League team. You have to. You've, it makes no sense to not take the risk and play your second DM in this game. Fernandinho played against Liverpool last year. I think if he doesn't play, it just says that's it just feels like curtains to me. But I think he probably I think he might not, because I think they, they clearly do not trust him. And they'll try and go with maybe Rodri in the first half and bring him off. 
Um, my impression is Foden probably it's too early to start a game, I guess. Um, I, I can't imagine if he's fit enough to start. I, I expect he'll definitely come off the bench. And then Palmer, I, I don't think he will. So I think Phillips is probably the sixth player. But I think you have to make five or six minimum. I think me and Asa might be in a crosswise then because some of those I'm perfectly happy to happen. Maybe in my head, what I was arguing against was changing the whole lot, you know, to the point that Gomez is on the pitch. Well, I mean, look, so perhaps Ortega's- we're actually without realising it. <laughs> I don't think any of us are going that far, Howard. Because, well, <laughs> well, there's an argument for that. So, I mean, there's, you know, we should be able to put Phillips on, Mares. Foden if fit, Alvarez, put Walker in on the port, Ortega will be in there. I think we can yeah. agree on that. That I'm not arguing against that. That's still, you know, we just I just want that splattering of you know Wednesday starters in there as well. I don't know who. Obviously the again it's like who who isn't fatigued? Could be Kevin De Bruyne, demands to play, it could be Gundogan, it could be Bernardo Silva, Grealish, the players that run and run and run and haven't picked up injuries. I just wouldn't want I think what I was arguing against was this wholesale change the lot is still very dangerous for me, even if we are playing the championship side. So, so a for, mix. So I think five or six is a necessity at a must. But well, it's at, seven, at that it's level. six or seven if you include Ortega. Yeah. So let's say let's say six or seven. But in terms of the in terms of the guys that I think need to stay in the team, yeah. If because that's probably easier to, it to is decide. Easier, yeah, yeah. What I would what I would like to see is I'd like to see Stones come out. I'd play a Kanji. I'd play Walker. I'd probably play Diaz. Now, that I feel a bit uncomfortable with that, but I think you have to play Laporte, and I think you have to play Laporte in the position he's going to play against Arsenal. So I'm struggling to see how else we do that without playing Diaz. So let's say, we, let's say that's the back four. I think you bring Gundo out. I don't know on Phillips. I'm not sure. I think you play De Bruyne if you can and you move Bernardo back. And then I think you play Alvarez and Mares, and you play Grealish if you, if Grealish can get through. So I think you keep Grealish in the team, you keep De Bruyne in the team, you keep Bernardo in the team, you keep Akanji in the team and maybe you keep Diaz in. Mm. But I'm a bit unsure about Diaz. I think you have to put, yeah, a big centre-half in there. Uh, but I mean, Pep said in his press conference, he'll talk to his staff, and I guess it's them. You pick the ones who are showing no fatigue. You can't risk players showing fatigue. It's not just about performance on the day, of course. You're just increasing the risk of injury. Uh, it's a difficult Every se- Every season we get to this point, don't we? And the draw's been kind to us by getting, you know, if we had Brighton, we'd, be, we'd probably be chucking the, Tarling already, wouldn't we? Because we wouldn't have any choice but to chuck the towel in. We can rotate and beat Sheffield United, but it's a shame for fans that travel down there because Pep has to do what he has to do. But, you know, it's going to Wembley and it feels, I feel we've been shortchanged a bit as fans in the past, but that's just Pep trying to, trying to keep, you know, he's got to keep his squad fit. Uh, and, the FA Cup is not the priority, is it not? So, it's a tough one, Ali. Did, Ali, did, if we totally changed the side and came unstuck, 
would that rank it with you much or would you understand it in a um Okay, again, to, to hark back to last year, um, I was cross last year coming out of the game. Mm. I wasn't cross with Pep for his selection. I was cross with the players for not performing in the day. Um, I think uh, Zach Steffen in particular had a shocker. Uh, but there were a few a few players who had worse games than they had any excuse to, <laughs> to have. Um, and I think I would feel the same. Um, I... I I mean, notwithstanding my my huge doubts about whether Calvin Phillips is ready, and I mean that's strange. He's been with us for nine months or whatever now. Um, I think it's not that it's not whether or not he's good enough; it's whether or not he understands the job in his team well enough. Um, and I still think he might come good next year or whatever, but I don't know if he's ready now. Beyond that, I, I mean, I, I completely agree um, with what Lloyd, well, what both of you said about team selections. Um, the honest thing, you know, we don't have twenty two. Senior players in order to make, you know, switch, make 11 changes. Um, the most we can make is about six or seven realistically. Mm. Uh, so, you know, that's what it will be. Um, and then it, 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 a lot of it does come down to the fitness coaches and, and the, the men with the white coats and the it machines does. that go ping and all the rest of it. And they can say, you know, whose, whose muscles are, are still performing at a level that we can put them out there again. Um, ideally, I think what I would like to see is a, a first choice, um, Midfield. So, I mean, I think I would go with something like, at least for the, for the first half, I would go with something like, uh, Rodri, KDB and Bernardo, um, with Foden, Mares and, and Alvarez in front of them. Um, get the, get the game won uh, after 45 minutes, uh, and then bring as many of those off as, as we can. Uh, but, uh, if, if Pep goes another way, I, I will have to trust him. I, I, uh, I, I can't see him doing anything like, you know, he's not going to pick half a dozen kids. Um, you know, or, you know, if he does and we lose, then I really will be cross because I don't think there's any need to do that. Um, but if he does what we all expect him to do, which is, you know, rotate as much as he can while still yeah. using the first string of players, yeah. then that's just what it's got to be. And, and it then, it's then down to those players to, to perform as Manchester City players to, yeah. to the, the levels and standards that we expect it's, of them. It's not disrespect, uh, disrespecting the tournament, is it? You will have to do there, what he has to do. So there is one thing you could never accuse Pep no. Guardiola of, and that's disrespecting the FA Cup or, or any domestic trophy. He, he always gives everything he can to win those, those matches. Um, and sometimes that in, involves depending on, on, you know, uh, players from the bench, but you know, that, that's absolutely part of the equation and, and as it should be. Mm. Uh, Lloyd, Sheffield United, surely up, uh, as I said to know, they're four, I think the four clear of Luton and with a game in hand and with only four games left. So Luton have got three games left. They're up. Come on. Oh, you know, if they win that game in hand, it's seven, seven clear. Oh, the seven clear right now. Yeah. With a game in hand. So they're going to take this. There's, there's ups. Obviously, they're going to pick their first team. Aren't they? They're going to pick their strongest team because there's no reason not to. Is there? Yeah, seven clear with a game in hand. So, and a 12 superior goal difference. So, yeah, you might as well say eight, to be honest. Uh, mm, they're they're obviously, a huge occasion for them. They've sold all the tickets. They're going to play their stronger side. But in respect of that, if we rotate six or seven, come on, the bottom line is, yeah, we've lost to Arsenal in the semi-final. Chelsea, I think, Liverpool, City should still win this one comfortably. Of course we should. And I expect 
I haven't heard it yet, but I expect the Sheffield fan that you spoke to said he thinks their chances are a lot less without Doyle and McAtee yeah. in the team. Um, He's expecting nothing. Yeah, Their, their big threat is Ndai, yeah. the um, the Sheffield United player, uh, Sheffield United player, the Senegalese player, um, who's had a bit of a breakout season for them and is really quick and could definitely cause us problems. But he often plays down um, Walker's side, so I think you'd hope Walker can do the job there. Because I think Walker will definitely play this game. I'd be very surprised if he doesn't. And so, yeah, I think actually we've been a bit fortunate this year in that, you know, we haven't drawn one of the other top six or top four. And even with six or seven changes, like we've kind of gone through, we should still have more than enough to beat Sheffield United on the day. And look, if it's not going well, if you need to bring Haaland on, then you can bring him on. But I think the idea is Haaland needs to have a rest I really think Rodri needs to have a rest and if and if Phillips doesn't start I think it's I can't read it any other way than that's terminal for his career in terms of he's going to be City will try and move him on this summer um, I think Stones has to come out of the team I think Gundo has to come out of the team Edison will come out of the team um, and then probably one or two others so it is what it is, and, it is. but it still should be enough it should. And we're back at Wembley, second home. So it should be a cracking weekend. And Sheffield United themselves have got a game on Wednesday, West Brom at home. Could be promotion party, who knows? So they've got games to think about as well. So it's the same for everyone. Can't complain, can we, with the life right now? Uh, right, I always f- finish with a score prediction. Probably a tough one when you have no idea what the team will be. Ever, <laughs> Ali, I'll start with you. Your t- uh, your score prediction for the weekend match. I'll go with a, a tight first half, but we come out 3-1 in the end. I think I went for that because if City did go 2-3 up, they're not just going to then go on and look to hammer the opposition, are they? That's no. when subs would come on, changes would be made and go into game Management Although this is a management. weird one where any substitutions we make are likely to make the team stronger. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Lloyd, what about you? I think it could be tough this weekend. Um, I think we might have to look to the bench to win. So I think it could, I think it's going to end up being like 2 1. But I think, I think you might see a tired team on the pitch this mm. weekend. But I think we'll, I think we'll have enough to get it done. And the, yeah, the, the risk of rotation is then you then have to bring on your big players to save it. Exactly. And could even go to extra time and stuff like that. So decisions for Pep to make. I'm glad I'm not a manager. Let's put it that way. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Certainly this weekend. Uh, right. I think we've covered everything there. Ali, thank you very much for coming on. Absolute pleasure. Have a great weekend, everyone. Yeah. Lloyd, thank you very much. Pleasure. Uh, that's a wrap. We're all off to make our tinfoil FA Cups. Uh, have a great <laughs> weekend, everyone, uh, especially those going down to London. Take care, everyone. As always, up the Wembley-bound blues.